Would you mind introducing yourself for the audience, please? Absolutely. So my name is Andrew Farmer. Um, I'm a Yorkshire-based painter. Um, I'm a father to two beautiful kids and a lovely wife. Got to say that, haven't I? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm painting full-time, professional artist. Um, and I've been painting full-time roughly 10 years, uh, give or take. Um, always drawn and painted. Um, I'm a full member of the Royal Institute Royal Painters. Um, and I'm also a member of the Northern Boys, which is a, a group of Northern artists. We do have one lady in there as well, Heidi Jo Summers. Uh, but we we all share something in common, and that is we, this kind of love of painting from observation uh, on plein air or observation in the studio, whatever it is, we're kind of firmly rooted in what we can see. Um, and responding to that, um, although, uh, we, you know, we, we do deviate a little bit, we all have our own flavours, but that, that's me in a nutshell. So painted full time, uh, very family orientated, and I'm a Yorkshire lad. Cool. Nice. Just looking at your studio behind you, Andrea, it's, it's fascinating. I kind of want <laughs> to sort of poke my head around corners there. Is your studio at home? It's it is, a, yeah. yeah. So um, when I kind of, uh, I, I used to teach part-time. I'm a qualified art and design teacher, although I haven't done that for, say, 10 years. Um, but when I was teaching, I, I was kind of painting just as much alongside the teaching um, and outgrew this tiny uh, space in the garden that I had. It's a 1930s uh, outbuilding. What well, well, it was anyway. And uh, I just kept on saying to my missus, "I really need a bigger space," and just dropping the, you know, the the idea that I need a bigger space. And eventually, she just kind of challenged me. And said, "Well, get on with it then." And I was like, "Really?" So, um, so I did. I knocked the front off, took the the roof off. I dug footings for a new one. Learned to bricklay on YouTube. <laughs> looked, looked at all the planning stuff. Um, I went down the permitted um, build route. So uh, it's all kind of within the law and all of that jazz. Um, but it's amazing having this place on the garden. And especially as someone who's family orientated, it means I can dip in and out of life as I need to into work um, around school run, that kind of thing. So it works fantastic. And is that a hammock you've got in your studio as well? Yeah, well spotted. Um, <laughs> I turned the light on purpose, so yeah, I, thought, I wonder if he's going to see that. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted one. And um, being an artist, we're all quirky, aren't we? And uh, yeah. how lovely it would be to like, have intense um, kind of periods of work and then rest in a hammock. <laughs> so uh, at Christmas, I just thought, I'll get, get one. And it, it's up on the beam, so... Um, it's well supported. Fantastic. So you have your little sort of siestas or when the painters exactly. too much. You <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it. it's brand new, so I've not used it very much, uh, but we'll get on to kind of what I'm doing later in the studio and things like yeah. that. It is good fun. The kid, and it also encourages my kids to come down and see me. Oh, there's a swing. I can go and play <laughs> swing. So they're loving it. Right. So um, with you, you transitioning from from teaching full-time into an artist full-time. I mean, these things are always gradual. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. One yeah. That you say, say but what was the process? So, I mean, just, just kind of going back to the degree, I was I did a, a fine art painting degree at Canterbury Christchurch, 
Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. It's probably one of the last remaining traditional art schools, like pet painting schools. Um, and I was taught by students of the late Ewan Uglo, um, so the kind of Euston Road approach to painting, I guess, and, and more rigorous than that as well. So it was amazing. But so after my degree, I went off to the Royal Drawing School and um, did really well there and met so many incredible teachers and other artists. Um, and, and, and then that came to an end. And then you think, well, what do I do now? I need money to live, but I also want to paint. And so I felt very passionate about coming back to the north and giving something back to the local community, a kind of similar area to where I grew up, really. So I started to teach in a Doncaster school and they just chewed me up and spat me out. <laughs> so in, in a way, I mean... Uh, you know, so, some days in teaching, it was absolutely fantastic. And it was just awesome. And then there were other days, very dark days, and I'm looking out of the classroom window, beautiful raking light. And I think, what am I doing? This is the worst paid babysitting job in the world. <laughs> uh, I probably shouldn't say that. But so I had this kind of love-hate relationship with, with teaching. And um, but so I was part time from the offset, really. I qualified full time uh, as you have to really uh, just to kind of get the qualifying year out of the way. But I just really wanted to get back into painting as fully as possible. So then I went to three days a week teaching um, and then three, four days of painting a week. I was like a machine really going for it when I was younger. Mm -hmm slowed down a bit since to be honest <laughs> um but so then I, yeah I taught for four years uh three days a week um and then there came a point i won't kind of go into too much detail but there came a bit of a, a, a crunch really uh with my personal health and you know well-being stuff like that and the thing that really makes me happy is being with family or, or painting and uh my wife just said you're selling steadily alongside your teaching maybe you need to take take a risk take a chance now and um so i stepped out in faith and uh never looked back been painting full-time since really do you find that the um that kind of restriction in the way of you teaching and like you say staring out out of the window it kind of fuels a hunger to yeah yeah did you say so you found that yeah but i think there's there's a different kind, it's a different kind of hunger to when you know you can paint six days a week if you want mm. to. Um, there's almost like painting, because you, I don't know, it's it's quite a different feeling. But yeah, I'd agree with that, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. I mean, I worked many different jobs over the years and I would have that staring out the windows moment. And it, it really did fuel in me that kind of, um, that hunger that when I got to the easel, you know, all of this. Now, part of the problem with that, that my momentum of getting to the easel often meant that I didn't paint so well, you know, so then sort of transitioning slowly into more professional painting. It's a different mindset because you've got to structure that in a way. Yeah. I would say the the structure almost comes naturally when you're working part time alongside painting yeah. because you don't have this hunger yeah. to. There's a kind of a, a real urgency about it, but sometimes I'd find myself back then kind of painting for the sake of it, just to get yeah. the hours in. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but 
that versus now where I could paint six days a week if I wanted to, like realistically, um, I I kind of taken my foot off the gas a little bit and I'm painting, um, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm racking up the hours, but the time's a lot more intentional, um, spent painting, like really focusing on goals and targets and, and dreams, you know, like aspirations for the future, different projects and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm equally now. I mean, as I say, uh, as I said earlier, when I was younger, I was, I was crazy. The you know the the drive I had, it was just bordering on insanity, really. Whereas now, I've, as I'm getting older, like move, coming on in years, and my kids are growing up, I'm realizing so much more the importance of downtime and work and the role they have together, and one feeds into the other. I'm just so glad that I've taken the time to, to to realize this you know to arrive at this idea that um it's not all about work and if it is then it soon becomes very dry and so i'm very conscious of that been intentional with the time that i am painting versus mm. just enjoying that beautiful opposite of life and family and friends snooker uh drinking homebrew being in my you know live music all of this yeah. stuff swinging in the hammock for half an hour <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm a lot more chilled out than I used to be in some ways. It's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that is because you feel now that you are sort of in in a position where you're successful um, with your art that you can kind of relax a little bit more? It, we never, I think, we never really know when we're on on that yeah. level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think um, I feel I, I'm still on a journey, and most likely always will be. And I, I don't think I'm going to ever arrive at a fight. You know, the final destination. That sounds a bit grim, doesn't it? But that <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're kind of on this journey. And but I know earlier on there was a different feel in that journey, and I was really having to fight. Um, I was almost swimming against currents and I'm learning to swim with the current on, or the tide. And, you know, I get this idea of kind of going with the flow more um, and letting things just kind of come together in a more soft way rather than trying to force things. And, uh, but yeah, I, I've kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. I'm waffling, aren't I? No, no, it's fine. And, and on that, Andrew, how was that sort of embracing of... of downtime of leisure of more time with family is that influence your work and what you're painting yeah um i think i think we can be really uh, encouraged to paint certain things through you know for for galleries that kind of thing and for certain collectors or even for you know audiences on instagram again you know as, as i'm kind of coming on in years um i just really want to I feel like I did lose myself a little bit over the last few years. But I, right now, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I, and I mean that in the best way possible, um, in, not in a rude way, but I really mean that I just want to know who I am again and paint the things that I love. Um, so I think, yeah, I, again, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But That's good. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm realizing more and more who I am, and that 
ultimately has an impact on what I'm painting, you know, where the inspiration comes from. Um, and when I first started to submit to the Royal Institute of Oil Painters, for example, that was really me, you know, and I got in on the merit of me. I felt like an under, underdog as well, because I'm, an, you know, I come from a, an ex-coal mining village uh, called Denneby, Maine in South Yorkshire, and it's ropey. And again, I mean that in the best way possible, but it really is. It's, uh, and, you know, lots of us have similar stories, um, but I've had to fight a lot along the way, um, as well as some doors just kind of been flung open, uh, which has been amazing. You know, incredibly generous people and teachers. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So so you, you're painting now what you, you kind of, you sort of tapping into what you were doing before you know painting yeah. with from from the heart yeah exactly and i i think i've i've tried not to paint to sell and i think often you you can sense when something's painted to sell not always and uh it's probably a big generalization but often you can look at a painting and and i look at mine as well and maybe subconsciously something's crept in and i've kind of i don't know just been tempted and um I think we've all bit from the apple, you know, of, of, of the apple anyway. But I do, I try to rebel against that all the time to the point where if things are selling really well, I get suspicious and uh, <laughs> I almost I rebel. I do. I, I physically rebel. I know I do. And I'll go off and paint something because I've no interest in whether it's going to sell or not. But when things start selling, I do quiz myself and search myself. Is this you? Why are you painting this? Is it purely to sell because you've got a mortgage and a family and all the kids after school clubs that are racking up a, a huge bill, you know? Uh, but so I, I, I'm very conscious of that. And my tutors really instilled that at Canterbury. They were all real practicing artists, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you could just, they just oozed of it. There was something about them. They were practicing what they were preaching. They were in two days a week, and then the rest of the time they were painting, uh, you know, in, in, in their own studio spaces. And so they were such good role models. Um, so I'm kind although I'm with and represented by galleries, and we need to sell work ultimately, but it's this tension, isn't it, between what is it that we're doing? Why are we doing it? We've got to be honest with ourselves. It's not a bad thing to paint to sell pictures, but as long as that's what you know you're doing and you want to do, yeah. I don't just want to do that. Um, yeah. And I guess with that, the creativity kind of goes if you're if you're just thinking about it in the commercial yeah. sense. And um, it's interesting to say you saying about Canterbury there because we've had quite a few conversations, and I mean I don't rail against art schools or universities but my ex my experience I mean I I was down in in Plymouth and I I did a BA in fine art and I sort of went to it thinking they're going to teach me how to paint <laughs> you know but that wasn't the case um it was mainly sort of conceptual um and that's yeah. you know that kind of um, came out of what was going on in St Martin's, Goldsmiths, all of that kind of stuff, and it sort of went out to these more provincial art schools. I was um, grateful and, and am now in the end, because I spent most of my time in the library just yeah. reading books on Turner and Constable and, you know, art magazines going back into the 60s and stuff. So I was able to access that. But 
I come away dissatisfied in the sense of I wasn't taught what I wanted to be taught. And a lot of of the lecturers there were full-time lecturers, so the art that they were sharing with us was maybe 10 years old or something like that. So your experience sounds fantastic. Is Is it still like that there? It's, it's gone. It's been and gone now. It's had its time, oh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it was such a sad day when it closed. It wasn't that long ago, to be honest. Um, but I hear you completely about, mm. you know, to go to art school versus not. Yeah. There's pros and cons to both, mm. absolutely. Um, and there's no perfect art school either, I don't believe. So although mine sounds idyllic and wonderful, you know, from the little bit that I've shared, um, you know, heavily rooted in observation, but there was a real house style and it was based on you and Uglo's approach, the highly rigorous, highly measured, observed, which is uh, amazing. And some people will say, oh, it's sterile and cold. Personally, I'd say it's controlled passion. Um, and I know other artists did. Um, and, you know, the critics of you and Uglo, that, that that really championed what he was doing, they say that as well. I think they... Um, it's a big thing they say, it's controlled passion. Um, but my art schools, uh, especially Canterbury, it was it's quite crushing in a good way. And I, and I keep saying that, you know, but I, I do mean it. I think it, you had to kind of fight against the house style. You're kind of soaking it up, but you've got to be careful not to lose your soul to it. And there was a couple of times when I was just putting these dots on the paper and then it became almost like dot to dot, you know, with the measuring and the plumb lines. And in fact, the Blooming Life School, uh, the life room was like walking into a spider's web. You get tangled in the plumb lines. It was insane. Um, I mean, but it was an incredible um, place to study, absolutely. And and again, the tutors were just second to none. But obviously, if you're going to teach, you've got to have some kind of system, It's you know, real systems to kind of get people through and and understand and so you've got to kind of break things down and so when you're going through that learning you can't not look like what they're doing because you know um but then it's what you do with it afterwards it's just a tool a technique just a tool and it's how you process it it's how you perceive the world it's how it comes out of your hand that makes it yours so you know, you could paint in the manner that Monet does, but because of how you perceive and your choices of colour and your experiences throughout your life, that's going to make the work yours, regardless of whether you're dabbing it on like Monet, it's still you, isn't it? So mm. after art school, I remember, um, in fact, after the second year, I went home for the summer back back to Doncaster, still living at home with my parents. And I had a bedroom that looked over Conisbrook Castle, um, the castle that Ivanhoe uh, is based on, uh, Sir Walter Scott, I believe, um, and then viaducts, um, allotments, uh, just incredible view. It's hardly surprising that I wanted to take the route that I did. Just seeing that every day, opening the curtains, like bang, just yes, all yeah. weather, just amazing. But that second summer at home, um, I realised, man, I've got this incredible tool but it's useless if if I don't make it mine or apply it to me and drop the things that don't apply to me. So so that's what I did. I, I just worked for the whole holidays, just up in that bedroom or outside in the local disused quarry, local landscape, just, just painting in isolation, really, just loving it, learning to be by myself, which is so important. Um, 
And then I went back in the third year and I don't know, something happened. I, I was using what they taught me, but I was me again. So I'd gone through this big circle and I'd soaked up all the good stuff along the way and arrived back where I started, but better, hopefully. That's, that's really interesting because that's surely the, the a success and the key of the art school, but they give you that, that kind of framework or that foundation based on, you know, a, a tradition and like with the uh, with the Boa Polytechnic with David Bomber, you know, and then go an hour back and, and people yeah. like um, it sort of gives you that foundation, but then you go off and you find what you knew and know, your immediate environment and, and sort of put those things together. And I think for me, with with my art school experience, it wasn't that there wasn't a framework, you know, so so many artists kind of had to have to sort of find that framework themselves within it, which in a way is good because you say that they say be yourself, find your own way without a map, without anything, just go find it. The make or break you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and and I don't know if maybe that system would have suited me better or not I don't know but it sounds like you really had that moment when you went back after that first year and and it kind of clicked yeah I mean that that summer I painted the guy in the allotment a guy called Steve and in the summer he'd always be topless digging away and like he's turning to leather and he, he went this Gorgeous kind of orangey brown colour, just incredible, like glowing colour. I remember painting him digging, and it was awesome because he's always in the same position, just moving along slightly, you know, creating the ditch and backfilling with his fertiliser or whatever, then mixing. So, so you could kind of paint him all day, even though it was moving. You just wait for him to go back to the right position. I'll never forget painting that and, you know, kind of rediscovering myself almost. It was really juicy brush mats, quite thick impasto paint. It was just like painting really exciting and i sold that at battersea art fair um my friend decided to have a go at running a, a, a stand down there and he he just took a selection of my work and that was the first like serious painting that i sold um and it was from that summer a guy called steve digging topless <laughs> wow. and that was the name of the painting was it it should have been i, I thought <laughs> it was really boring but it should have been yeah. <laughs> that's great though and I think that thing with style and, you know, fine, fine, because it, it's obviously evolved an evolving thing. It is. Um, but you've de you've definitely got your style and, you know, I, I love your brushwork. It's that impasto. But sort of behind that, is there that framework that you sort of from the drawing, from the composition, is, is that there and is that really important still? I think, again, coming back to my uni days, especially mm -hmm. Canterbury, they really instilled this kind of, this, this um, gra like hard graft and grit into us, you know, so I'm well used to drawing the hell out of something, measuring things, um, but the, you do it enough and it becomes second nature. So I'm not having to hold my hand up, you know, fingers and pencils and measure physically. It's all very, very intuitive now and second nature. It's, it's like driving a car or riding a bike the more you do it it just becomes natural um but i'd agree you know but um I, I think style is a very it's a very funny thing 
um, like a strange one because we're striving for it. But I think sometimes we can try too hard to arrive at a style. And one thing I remember one of my tutors saying, John Long, he's, he was an Irish um, artist teaching in Canterbury. And he's passed away, sadly, just recently. Crying shame, he's just an incredible artist. Definitely look, look him up as well if you get a chance, John Long. Um, but he said, um, you know, I've actually lost my train of thought again. Uh, style. Oh, yeah, style. So, this is me all over today. My head's all over the place. <laughs> Um, but he, he just said, don't worry about the style. Like We've all got handwriting. Just paint the things that you're interested in and do it honestly with integrity. And the style will just take care of itself. So I think, I mean, currently, um, I'm actually trying to shake things up. I'm constantly breaking everything down, rebuilding. Like constantly, it seems like every week sometimes, I'm trying to do something different. And this idea of... Um, getting suspicious when things are too easy or too selling too much or too good, you know, that kind of thing. I wish I, I had that problem all the time. I don't, I should add. <laughs> I don't have that problem all the time. Um, but I'm currently working on palette knife painting. Um, but this idea of handwriting, regardless of the, uh, you know, whether I'm using brush, palette knife, or even fingers, there's still something of me in, in that, you know. And, and I like to think that although me recently, pieces of palette knife you still recognize them as my work because it's so much more than a brush mark you know it's it's, mm. it's just everything isn't it mm. that's, that's fascinating because i i mean i paint very much with i paint the same subjects over and over pretty much i mean i mean i grew up in the fens so the skies are massive um i now live on near the north norfolk coast so i spend a lot of time just looking at the sky and the sea that's my basic composition and I do just do different variants of it, but I'm always alternating tools. So yeah. sometimes the painting is all palette knife, sometimes it's brush, sometimes I use oil pastel, sometimes gouache, all of these different things. And it all kind of comes out as sort of my style within, even though these mediums and tools are, are very, very different, you, there's still something in there that is, is sort of recognizable. You can't you can't get away from it. <laughs> no. It's like your shadow. It's mm. like having a shadow. You know, you Peter Pan. Uh, yeah, I like to use analogies with cartoons because of the kids and because uh, <laughs> of my kids. Oh, the Disney I've blooming watched over the last few years. It's <laughs> so funny. But yeah, you, you can't get away from the style. And I, I do think if anyone is worried about that, don't just let it happen. You know, as I say, John Long, the guy, just incredible. Just great advice. Just, just paint the things that you love with integrity, and the style it will just come, and it will keep evolving and keep you know developing. Mm. That's really interesting, and like you say, it's that sort of words of encouragement because you know, yeah. style is, I think, something that every artist aspires to. But, but it's a process, and it's, the more absolutely. you paint. The more likely that is going to happen, and it takes experimentation, and sometimes it takes doing things completely different. You think, well, this is not my style, yeah. but the more you do that, it starts to sort of accumulate. Absolutely, I mean, you you're really kind of in, um, bringing loads of ideas to the surface that I could speak about. We've only got an hour, but this <laughs> kind of moving into something uncomfortable almost to shake you up. That's exactly what I'm doing now with the palette knife. Yes. And in the past, I've done, I've written poetry, 
Um, mm. I've done printmaking, I've done stone carving. Mm. Um, but I'm very conscious and aware of painting is the thing. That's the yeah. main thing that I want to do. Um, so, uh, but everything else is kind of, I don't know, it nourishes that. And it yes, yeah, yeah. I understand that, and um, by the way, we can we can do a second episode at some point. I think we're going to have to, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll let Simon ask a question in a minute. But I'll just say about that that thing, <laughs> um, it, like breaking things up. So I teach online, but run workshops and classes as well. And often what I do because I get that that it's not so much creative block, but sometimes just frustrated or dead feeling what I'm doing. Now, normally I'll I'll start with a, a horizontal line and sort of horizons everywhere around here. But to break it up, often what I'll do is just draw a diagonal or vertical diagonal line and say, so right, just go from there. So it's like completely sort of throws me off, but it's yeah. in that it's discomfort where the where you can break out of those cycles and try something new and you never know what will happen. I, I agree completely. I mean, sometimes if I'm kind of hit a wall with, with a painting, something's not working out or I'm struggling to articulate something, there's two things that I do um, to kind of get past it or to, to, to succeed with it. And one of them is just literally scrape it back or rub it off completely and start from, from fresh. Another thing is to actually leave that area alone and work around it um, and let that inform um, whatever it is, is, you know, you know, the problem and again that, that was John Long uh, his uh, in the life room I'll never forget I was struggling with the model's nose all the structure around the nose he says forget the nose draw the lips and the eyes and I was like eh how's that going to help me with the nose and so I thought well I'll listen to the guy he seemed to know what he's talking about that drawing the mouth and eye sockets and stuff and and before I knew it I'd, I'd drawn the nose I'd articulated it lovely and uh I think that's the problem sometimes. Maybe we're too close to something that we become blind to it. And actually to give it a break in the form of, I don't know, reading a book on a hammock or um, doing what you do, you know, shaking things up with, uh, put, you know, putting a, a vertical line in, just something to disturb things or just to kind of take the pressure off. Um, that can really help. Absolutely. Simon? Yeah, well, to be honest, if you forgive me, I'd like to take us back to something you said quite a bit earlier on and I had a thought I'd, I'd like to for the benefit of anyone who's watching or listening who would like to learn more from experienced artists when you mention about um, some work being more commercial and you deciding to try and push out of that is there anything specific you can share as far as how you feel um, you can make that determination so that anyone who's listening who's not as experienced can understand from your your, yeah, uh, I, I think that's a really important thing to tackle, actually. Now it's been said earlier on, because I don't want anyone to kind of leave, you know, with misunderstanding. And so I think it's a really good idea to, to talk about this. So, again, I, I think there's kind of problem solving and painting. But your own understanding and interests and passions versus creating something which might appeal to somebody kind of a second guessing what somebody wants to buy and again i've fallen into this trap whereas currently right right now i'm trying to solve the problem of how how the hell do you paint a self-portrait holding a candle in the dark you know so i i'm i don't care whether it's going to sell or whether it's going to appeal to anybody 
the idea and the this horrible problem appeals to me for some reason, and, and so I'm tackling it. So I guess that's one of the, the the big ways to judge, or one of the easiest ways. You know, can can when you look at a piece, can you sense a fight, a battle on the canvas or in the sculpture or in the writing that you're reading, or is it a bit kind of candy coated, sugar coated? Um, so porridge versus candy floss. I'd rather be in the porridge. You know. <laughs> Does, does that does that make any sense? It does. I mean, if I could, though, would you be able to give an example of something where you think that is a commercial approach to paint? And I, I know it may be putting you on the spot slightly. I don't want you to sort of feel yeah. as though. Well, you're, I mean, you know, yeah. Are you, do you mean in my own work? Or it do you may mean be easier because I don't want you to feel as though you're besmirching other people's approach. But at the yeah. same time, it could be very useful for people to know that there is a, a you know, some kind of idea or thought around a commercial approach to art yeah. so that they have that concept well i think what we can do for definite is look at a lot of the high street galleries that call themselves galleries that i call them costa coffee galleries they're just <laughs> chains and it's yeah. i don't want to be too strong here but you know it makes me feel sick a lot of it in these galleries and they they, they shouldn't even be able to be called galleries as far as i'm concerned Versus, again, but then you think, well, could you could you describe something that's a proper gallery versus that's not? But you know, I, again, I'm not going to mention any high street galleries. I'll probably get sued if I say a name, so I, so I won't. But for example, in the high street gallery, some of the ones I've got in mind, we've all seen it. You know, like, like cows' heads. Um, I always think they're called Daisy. I just think Daisy when I look at them. And they got to the point that they didn't know what to do with them. There's so many started putting blooming gems on them and sparkly things to try and do. And I think, oh my word, I'm sure the original painter that, that really, really wanted to paint a cow's head, you know, that was done with integrity. I don't yeah. doubt it. It came from somewhere, but then once they start selling and people catch wind, it's like, oh, let's do some of them. And um, and I'm sure right now there are cow's heads being painted with integrity that are not being done to sell. But do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Kind of coffee, uh, cost of coffee galleries, I call them. Yeah. Um, just avoid them at all costs. <laughs> well, if I could, I mean, I just wanted to say, because we, before we started recording, I shared about this uh, exhibition space that I'm filling at the moment. Now, the theme of that exhibition is farming and agriculture. So I'm doing a lot right. of farming and animals, but... <laughs> What was already up there was exactly what you're describing. And right. we took those down and there was a conversation between me and this German artist that I'm collaborating with about, should we leave these up? They are farmyard animals. And I said, would you want anyone to confuse this with our work? And she said, no. And I said, me neither. So let's ask them to put it away. And when we did, the owner of the premises said that he'd rather keep our artwork up than put that artwork back up after we take ours down that's when he proposed to keep the artwork up. And I think that's the difference that you're explaining. And uh, and I really appreciate the way that you're kind of, because I mean, I didn't want to necessarily say, do you mean this? But that's exactly yeah. what I think. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I'm sorry if I'm coming across, I don't want to come across negative or too strong, but you know, this, this podcast is about us. And obviously I, I just want to be as honest as I can and give as much mm -hmm. as I can in this hour. Um, and if we go down that these kind of topics, that's fine. You know, it's not yeah. a conversation. So, yeah. And I think it's important with it. And I know the types of galleries. And I mean, you see this a lot now with with the kind of the, the street art influence on things as well. 
I've seen these um, penguin covers, you know, the, the penguin books. And I think it was, um, I can't remember who originally done it, an American artist, Harlan Miller, I think. And it's sort of got the penguin book cover and it says something ironic on the front of it. The amount of artists now producing these and sort of right. selling them in gallery, it's, you know, it's crazy. So you see this a lot in these, these Costa type galleries. And so I think I think you, Andrew, and I can see it, you're definitely much more in the the sort of the the grafter kind of camp of an artist in that sort of romantic sense that you know an artist really is not fundamentally producing things to sell. No. And uh, absolutely. And again, it's just kind of doing a self-check in, <laughs> in a way. Um, I mean I, I another thing I like to do, I probably this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but so I love plein air painting. Um, but to be truly plein air, a plein air painter, we're interested in very particular kinds of light, aren't we? And, and trying to arrest or express a particular kind of day, um, weather condition or light key, as some people call it, some art schools call it. Um, and so if I'm having, if I've been on a stint or a stretch of plein air painting, I like to kind of line, I've got drying racks at the back of the studio, which you can't see uh, from this angle, um, but I like to put them on there. And if things are starting to look very samey, even though I am actually trying to hit different times of day, then I know, well, I, I ask myself, what are you doing? Are you actually investigating what's there versus producing something that's going to be sold because someone likes general, the general public like kind of more sunny, upbeat landscapes for a start. That's a problem for me because I'm in Doncaster and we probably have five sunny days a year if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, so I've learned to paint on the grey days as well with patience and in, in all honesty, prefer to paint on a grey day because of the consistency of light um, and versus the light in and out and like a dog chasing its tail around. It drives me crazy, actually. Um, but, yeah, just that idea of kind of self checking and so that's what I do with with the plein air stuff you know if, if we're because that's what everyone says actually we all say I mean I'm interested in the light it's about the light in that case why do then 15 paintings all look the same if they're all yeah. different times a day what's going on it's yeah. actually more to do with the market that you're aiming at you know and uh, yeah. and I, again I've fallen into the trap and I, I always just re-challenge myself and destroy a lot of work as well because mm. of it, you know, but I, I can just sense it's not, there's not a purity. I like, I like a purity uh, in the yeah. world. And a struggle. And a struggle, yeah. And uh, yeah, the grit, Northern grit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's talk about, because you've mentioned the, ca the candle painting that's behind yeah. you. So it's a self-portrait of you holding the candle? It is. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this is in progress. It's, it's yeah. great. I mean, I could. Would you like me to bring it closer? Just if you don't mind, that would be great. So I, I popped it in a frame. Um, just I like to do that. Just so, just so I can kind of see how things are going. Um, that, and, that glow is incredible. Of the, yeah, the money. Thank you. I just pop it back. And, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, the, the the problem 
um, that you have. You know, you're looking into an incredibly bright light. Um, well, it's, it's kind of bright but gentle, a candle light. It's, and it's very warm. And I love the way you kind of get the halo around it and it affects the colour, you know. In fact, I'm wearing this jacket in that painting. Um, but, you know, the lights are down. I'm, I'm painting that one on incredibly grey days in Doncaster and I don't really... Um, you know, if, if it's raining, for example, don't really like painting in the rain very much, but it's perfect time to do that then because it's not pitch black. I've got enough light to work with, but the candle is is, is prominent. It's there. Um, but yeah, the candle, I love the way the light melts, forms almost. It's like sunset. And if, you know, obviously you guys are used to working from nature. Um, I, I love the way when the sun drops below trees, it's almost like the, the trunks melt and turn crimson red and that's reality, which you don't yeah. really get from photographs, do you? You know, no. it's a feeling and a perception. Retina is behaving in all kind of crazy ways. You get the blooming dots all over because you've looked into the light too long. Um, you know, yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, that, that, that's been a real challenge is painting and that's two sessions so far uh, on that one. Uh, and are you working with it? So you're working from live. Yes. Yeah. I see you've got the mirror behind you. Are you holding it and, and painting? Or did you hold the candle once and then kind of work in the hat? Okay. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's all problems that you've got to deal with, yeah. aren't they? It just seems simple. Oh, self-portrait with a candle. I just do it. But actually, yeah. as soon as you start to do it, you think, bloody hell, why did I choose this? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, the idea came around from um, from his son, Jacob. I've got two kids, Eden and Jacob. Both love art. Eden loves a 2D colour painting. Jacob's more tactile and sculptural. Anyway, Jacob, my son, uh, is in his final year. He did, did a play, The Christmas Carol. Um, and I saw one of the, the young kids with a little, uh, in fact, I've got it, I'll just grab it. So, it's just this, uh, very simple, it's kind of like Scrooge type. Yeah, yeah. in his pajamas and yeah. Um, yeah, little <laughs> well, we did a little drawing of uh, Scrooge at Christmas, and I just loved it. I kept it. Oh, I probably always keep it. And uh, and I just thought, man, there's probably subject matter in that. So, and I spotted this in Doncaster Town Centre, dead cheap. And I thought, what a great little prop for the mm -hmm. studio. I'm sure it'll come handy. And I and I just gradually, I just kind of got drawn towards it, and then chucked a candle in it, lit it. I thought, man, I've got to paint that. And so I've painted. Um, I'll show you the still life. So here's, I mean, it's hard to see with the light. Yeah. Is that that's any good? Yeah. Yeah. Put it that's it, yeah. Kind of the yeah. first um, study, really. Mm. And then I've done four or five of these. Nobody's seen these because I've not posted on Instagram since mm. November. Uh, I'm literally, I'm just, yeah, just enjoying the solitude, to be honest. <laughs> good. good. Anyway. You're in, uh, in the zone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, if that's what you want to call it, I don't, I don't know, truly am, but I'm doing my best, guys. I really am. Um, yeah. And then obviously the little still life turned into the portraits. Um, so it's all just very real to me. Everything that I'm painting is it's natural, and it's just come out of life. It's come out of 
enjoying life and being with my kids and family and taking pride in my son in his play, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, that it's, it's just amazing, really. It's like a big matrix of stuff. Yeah. And it's feeding into your work and... You know, that must be a lovely feeling where you're you know, sort of sub, subject matter, life, art, family. It, it, it's all sort of entwined in that way. And you're able to express it. Yeah. And I mean, in the past, I've, I've, I've worked too hard. And, and I think that's a danger. And I said this earlier, I really do mean this. I want to encourage people that are listening that think, man, I need to work more to get further faster. That's not necessarily the case, actually. And uh, as I say, it's so important and beneficial to take the breaks, spend time with loved ones, and just let all of that goodness feed into the painting. But just to be intentional with the time that you have got to paint, you'll find, actually, you can work less but more intentionally and get somewhere much quicker um, or or improve faster. Um, I really do believe that now. so you're present in, because I have, it, and I'm getting better at it, but often, you know, I'd go and do things that were not painting and I'd just be thinking about painting. Yeah. And then often when I was painting, I was sort of, you know, sort of my mind was outside. But but I found the more I, I, I go out and just walking in nature, whatever it is, and and with friends or family, just being present more then it helps me then be present in the art rather than it sort of spilling over into everything. It's incredibly hard these days, though, isn't it, to to be focused? And mm-hmm. I feel like we've all been kind of polluted. I'm getting quite heavy again, but we have. We've been polluted by social media. And um, that that's currently why, why I'm on a break from social media, part of the reason anyway, because... Yeah, it's easy to just kind of get lost in a sea of funny cat videos and, <laughs> uh, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, at Christmas, I found myself just scrolling just like a zombie. I was like, what are you doing? I'm a creator. Do I Should I be consuming this stuff? I should be creating. And I just thought, I'm going to take a break. And uh, it's just so good. Um, last year, it was the opposite. I did the Strada Easel Challenge in January, painted uh, or, or the whole of January this this year I've done the complete opposite and I kind of teetotal on uh, social media <laughs> within reason you know yeah, um, yeah. and that's quite difficult to do as a as a practicing artist nowadays because yeah. you know it's part you know it's part of it I mean I'm represented by galleries but most of my work has has sold um online through my, through my own sort of marketing and stuff and you kind of get sort of trapped into this this cycle of, of, of promotion and that you know that is something I mean you know you're, you're doing such a such a great thing stepping back and I was just reflecting am I even capable of doing that at this point hopefully I am but it just seems so so much part of every everyday life you know? I think as humans, we most of us are very addictive personalities. Mm. And media and and all of the different platforms they're they're designed to take your attention and keep you, you know, hold on to you. And they, you know, we, yeah, I think we've got to be very careful. And, and everything has 
has its good side and absolutely i agree um in my, my sales most of my sales come through instagram um versus galleries you know it's interesting the the change um and i am represented by a small number of galleries now which are I hope to stick with because they are wonderful galleries, uh, but it's just been very slow on the gallery front, extremely slow to the point where it is. Five years ago, I would have been more worried because I'm in a different situation with mortgage and, and and family and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess I would be very worried right now if I was me back then, if you know what I mean. Um, but now I'm just saying, well, if things are not selling fast, then what's the point in me pushing social media that much just just focus on building when times are hard just focus on building and that's what i'm doing good good i'm just gonna take the time so we're coming towards the end of it we're definitely gonna have to help you back because <laughs> we we go into talking about color palettes and all of that kind of stuff well um, i was thinking this is kind of a natural segue into the gallery part which i usually cover towards the end don't i so we could always ask these but the wrap-up questions as I kind of come to know them a little bit. Um, and then on the second part, we could maybe get into your colour palette and things like that, some of the tasty stuff that we do like to discuss. Um, but if if I could just expand upon what you said about the galleries, what what galleries are you exhibiting? Where can people see your work? Yeah, so I, again, it just, it's just a small number of galleries, really, that, that represent me now. Um, I've I've dropped a few uh, over the years. It's, it's interesting, as, as you develop and progress as an artist you can start to say no <laughs> to to um opportunities and, and gallery representation because i think it's really important eventually to to cap it and try to focus um so again that's the reason for me to have just a small small number of galleries but uh, i've got the harrogate gallery watermark um and you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's a great gallery and uh, just so blessed to have them, really. They've been so good to me. And and we found a lot of wonderful collectors and kind of married the, the work and the collectors together over the last couple of years. Um, I'm also represented by uh, the Norton Way Gallery, Letchworth. Um, and that's, uh, again, just such a beautiful little gallery. It's a tiny space, uh, but Colette, who runs it, she's she's an artist, you know, a real artist. And uh, she she really picks everything that she loves to go into that gallery, not necessarily because she thinks it's going to sell. She has to believe in an artist and and your vision. She's just, you know, incredible, incredibly supportive. Um, and I'm also represented by British Art Portfolio, um, but they are more of a kind of traveling gallery in terms of, uh, in regards to kind of art fairs and, and that kind of thing, um, which is interesting because they've constantly got different clientele in, in different regions. Um, so it's interesting to see how that plays out sometimes. Mm. Well, they, do they all have an online presence? Because I, I like to leave links in the description of the video so that people yeah. can find that. Yeah, Watermark and Norton Way more so. Uh, British Art Portfolio, do, they do have Instagram. Um, all, all of my galleries do have websites as well, so you can um, view and purchase work online. Um, but, yeah, but it's just a close-knit um, group of galleries. As, as I said, I've left I've left uh, galleries in the past, uh, not, not with hard feelings, you know, just because I, I think I need to, again, be intentional about 
the work I'm producing and the volume of work just be realistic and not put too much pressure on myself because we, we can do that, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, aside from the galleries, where should people go? I mean, do you have a website? And, you know, you yes. said about Instagram. So what was all the different places you send people to for you personally? Instagram is, <laughs> this is ironic, really, because I'm not posting on there at the moment. I would say that's the best place to, you know, to see what I'm up to. But neither my Instagram or my website has my most recent work. So I'm kind it's of... Feeling... insights for your most recent conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's had a private viewing of it. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so it was annoying. Um, but my website will be updated soon with new stuff. Um, I have a newsletter that people can sign up to. Um, and I like to kind of run offers, um, special offers through, through that. Um, just looking after people that have shown a real interest. Um, I have a, a major exhibition coming up in Harrogate uh, in June, um, and that's based around the Northumbrian coastline. Um, all pretty much, I'd say 95% will be plein air painting. So I really got to roll my sleeves up and crack on with that as well. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got tons more questions. I'm sure we could talk for another hour easily. So I look forward to your part two. But just really, I mean, I'll be leaving links in the description of this video for all of the ways to find you and your work, your website, your Instagram, and the gift different galleries you've mentioned. And uh, obviously, if there is any any links for this upcoming um, exhibition, then I'll definitely put that in the description as well. Um, really appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure, honestly. And it's uh, been great talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on as a guest. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. And we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.